Welcome to the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom podcast with Jacob Ayers, providing actionable content to help you along your journey to financial freedom through real estate investing. As the premier asset class, real estate has helped ordinary people just like you amass fortunes. The benefits of passive income from real estate investing will allow you to live a life you want. And now your host, entrepreneur, real estate investor, and apartment deal syndicator, Jacob Ayers. Welcome to the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom podcast, episode 294. Hi, I'm your host, Jacob Ayers. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode. I'm very excited to share with you today our guest, John Soforic. John retired with financial freedom at age 50 with a passive income of $220,000 per year. He achieved his dream of prosperity in rural Pennsylvania while raising a family in the middle class. He is an authority on financial freedom, not because he studied wealth or learned about finance in school. He is an authority because he actually did it. He mastered his subject and achieved the desired in the real world. John says we don't need more information, but what we need is more discipline to behave in a manner that leads to monetary accumulation. John, author of The Wealthy Gardener, wrote the book of life lessons for his son. The Wealthy Gardener was eventually self-published, became an Amazon bestseller, and sold 30,000 copies in the first year. It's a great book. I've recently read it myself, so I'm excited to talk to John today about all the principles outlined in that book. So, Let's jump right into it. All right, today, welcome on the show, author, entrepreneur, real estate investor, and author of The Wealthy Gardener, John Support. John, hey, thanks so much for being on the show with us today. Jacob, thank you. There's certain people in this world that uh, have my respect, and you're one of them, so I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you. Well, hey, I'm equally excited to have you on. I know this is going to be an awesome conversation, so let's jump right into it. John, tell us a little bit about who you are, your background, and your story. I was born and raised in a small town just outside of Pittsburgh. I went to a Catholic grade school and a Catholic high school, and I was just your typical blue-collar kid from the middle class of America. I would say that my life where it is today was shaped by three transitions, the first of which was the age of 20. I read a book by Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich. Yeah. One of those books where you come out of the back end of that book different than you started at the front end of that book. And a lot of us have that story. It can change you. And that book was really a game changer for a kid from the middle class, you know, exposed me to a philosophy of success, a philosophy of financial achievement. And I think that was like the start. But despite that education, I had to suffer a lot in my 20s. Like, <laughs> that's just how it worked. I graduated with, at the age of 24, $200,000 in student debt. And I graduated as a chiropractor. I went into my own practice. So on day one, I'm sitting in a place with no, no patients and I'm $200,000 down. I worked that clinic for four years. I finally sold it. I moved across the country 500 miles to be near family. I set up another practice and did it all over again. That same decade, I got married. We had two kids. Both kids had colic. And so the 20s, if you look back at that, it's, I just remember a lot of chaos. 
a lot of financial stress. There was just a lot of turmoil. We didn't really know what we're doing. We're trying to figure it all out. And, you know, not a lot of good memories. It's just a lot of struggle in my life, to be honest with you. I remember times that probably exemplify it where I didn't know how to pay for uh, next week's groceries. And I stayed up all night long thinking about that while my family slept, you know, so it's not a lot of joy there. Yeah. You know, those, sometimes those points of pain are what, what make us grow. And, you know, like that brought me to the second transition and at the age of 30. I clearly remember it was like, you know, it was one of the lower moments of my life. I went for a walk in the middle of summer and I count this day as a transition for me because I went to a cemetery and I sat there for all day just contemplating life. You know, it was one of those times where, you know, life is very real and where are you going and you're thinking about where you came from and where you're headed. I was sitting beside a tombstone and I was sitting there thinking, I just gave 10 years of my life to a lot of hard work, 50 hours a week. And I was trading my hours for dollars and it felt a lot like wage slavery. Like I realized I provided for my family, but I didn't have anything. I was still in, in debt after all that work. I think what was meaningful to me is I was sitting beside the tombstone of my grandfather and I felt a camaraderie there. There was just a connection. And because I had just finished up with my 10 years of sacrifice, you know, I was sitting beside him and he had given 40 years of his life like that. He was a coal miner. You know, every day of his life, he went into a hole. He came out 10 hours later. He gave four years of his life and died of black lung disease, just like they all did. You know, he left his family in absolute poverty. My father started in one of the poorest families known to man, you know, so it was a tough time. But I think of his life and I, it was wage slavery without a doubt. And so I was sitting there thinking that, you know, he took a responsible route in a sense. He was providing for his family. But at the same time, I was going to be responsible too, but I was not going to lose. And I just sat there that day and I, was, I vowed that. I don't care. Whatever becomes in my life, I'm not going to win. I'm not going to lose financially. I will win. And it's just some days you walk out of that day with a vow and a commitment that you just never had before and set a goal at that time. And I said, I don't want an expensive lifestyle. I don't want, I'm looking for more than that. I want financial freedom. Financial freedom to me was a passive income around $20,000 per month. I wanted a big goal and I was okay with that. So fast forward to 20 years later, that's the next transition at the age of 49 to 52. I then retire. I'm financially free. I met my goals and I went into the basement and I started writing a book for my son, The Wealthy Gardener. And that was my own philosophy of success book. It was just vital to me to, to get down on paper and transfer my own life lessons to my son, to the next generation. And that book has gone on to do pretty well. And that leads me to this leg of the journey. That's where we are now. Wow. That's really something, John, and kind of some deep insight there as you're sitting there kind of reflecting on that first 10 years of your, let's call it adult life, your career where you've, you know, blazed this path, you know, kind of followed out this very typical blueprint of, you know, go to school, get a good education, get a good job, start a family, you know, you're building a business, you're checking off all these boxes, but at the end of the day, you're kind of like spinning your wheels, you know, you look back and you just you know, sold 10 years of your life for what, right? And then you're kind of reflecting on that, a really deep moment at that time. So you obviously flipped the switch and started doing things differently over the course of the next 20, 30 years up to this point in your life. So what exactly did that look like for you? What did it look like? What it looked like was, first of all, that commitment, you know, and I don't use the word slavery easily, but it was a lot like slavery when there's no hope and no getting out. 
the only way to get out is to start to sacrifice. Okay, you have to move into sacrifices. You know, that's the word that we don't always like to hear today. It's, you know, it used to be a virtue, but you have to get ahead through abnormal sacrifices if you don't want to be average. So what it looked like through my 30s then is that I continued working my 40 hours a week, just like everybody else did. But then I started venturing into rental real estate. Now, keep in mind, I put my pedal down hard in my 40-hour job, and I started earning a lot more money so that I could actually save it. I needed some cash, some seed money. Yeah. But then in my free hours, that's where freedom is found, man. That's where you gain your freedom. You gain your freedom in your free hours. I started putting 20 hours a week into that. I started by buying uh, rental properties. That was the passive income route I took. I would buy a single family, a duplex. It didn't take me long to run out of money. And so I then started going into flipping because I, now I was generating money through rentals, through flipping. You know, And don't get me wrong, don't think this is too glamorous. In Western Pennsylvania, we're flipping for ten dollars to $15,000 profits. Oh yeah, I understand. <laughs> it's very tight. So yeah, that's what it is. It's a lot of work. So I have three balls in the air in my 30s, you know, the rental business, the flipping business, the chiropractic business, and I'm juggling all of that. And that's what got me through, you know, moving forward. That was my decade of progress. And by the end of that decade, but, you know, the guy that couldn't afford a pizza in his 20s, now he's hiring 10, 12, 15 people, you know, to work on these sites for him, you know, depending on how many, you know, pokers are in the oven in the fire. I mean, it's so all of a sudden you start to gain a sense of power, you know, and then the, that rolls into the forties and all of a sudden you're looking, you're doing the same stuff, but you're looking at bigger deals. Now I'm walking up to commercial properties. I'm looking at bigger apartment complexes, you know, things like that. That's the overview of how it started working for me. I love what you just said. And I think it's really important to repeat it. You gain freedom in your free hours, right? So you had a really busy life and still do you know, like you said, you had three balls in the air juggling things at once, your flipping business, your rental business, your chiropractic business, not to mention just having a life, having a family, trying to carve out some free time for yourself, right? So it's definitely a struggle getting to that point of financial freedom. And like you said, that word sacrifice kind of gets thrown around a lot, but you really have to figure out what you're going to sacrifice to get ahead. And that's what it's all about to achieve that point of financial freedom, which you've gone on to do. You know, I think what you're talking about, Jacob, is completely accurate. And I think what people fail to, th they fail to realize what they sacrifice by not sacrificing. Had I not sacrificed, I would have been just trapped into a very dangerous lifestyle of average where you're just getting by. My kids, they went to college because of my sacrifices and they got out with zero debt. Now take that back and compare it to my grandfather who worked his whole life in a coal mine. That's what sacrifices do. And you know, I think people have to understand that the sacrifices aren't on an entire life. Sometimes you have to just put the pedal down for five years, but you got to put the pedal down or, you know, you sacrifice so many possibilities of your future. If you won't put the pedal down, you know, people don't think about the opportunity cost of all their leisure. And, you know, we can make the mistake of telling our kids, you can have anything you want in this world. You know, if you're willing to work hard enough, well, they're watching. The kids are watching. And, you know, if you're sitting there watching TV, talking like that, and you're not getting everything you want, what do you really think those kids are thinking? So, yeah, I had to live that life. And the kids saw that. And I communicated with them the whole way. So you know, people will say sometimes that maybe, you know, it was, it was out of balance. And I say, yeah, it was. I'll tell you what was out of balance, too, is my communication with the kids during the time. They knew everything. 
They knew my date. They, they knew it's worth a penny. They knew my fears. They knew everything. So yeah, you can sacrifice a lot and you can bring your kids with you and they're on your team. Your wife's on your team. Everybody's on your team, but you got to communicate. Yeah, I think that's so important. And you bring up a good point. Being comfortable, that's a scary position to be in. And quite frankly, it's one I'm in myself. You know, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable. I have a good career, but it's not exactly where I want to be. And it's really hard to make yourself push yourself out of that comfort zone, right? So many people are out there in that similar position. Like, you know, they're making ends meet. They're doing well. They're able to, you know, go on trips, you know, afford the lifestyle they're comfortable with. But that's a really a dangerous place to be in. It's sitting in a 65 degree room. No question about it. You know, you're not quite happy, but there's no motivation to change. I agree. And I had the luxury of a lot of pain where I wasn't anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and I would have traded that pain for anything. But I look back and say, that was my driver now. You know, there's, if you go through those times of like the 20s, you don't say, well, money make you happy. Well, screw that. I, yes, it'll make you happy without worries. Sure. I would love to live without worries. Peace of mind. Sure. Could I have freedom of time so that I can do what I want? Sure. Check, check, check. Can I send my kids to college? Sure. Yeah. I had a big, big why. And I think the whys are important, but I also see you saying this, Jacob, while you're sitting here doing a podcast. So yeah, I mean, I'm as guilty as anybody else, right? I'm got my AC set on 72. It's a beautiful day in Houston, Texas. I have internet. I have a roof over my head. I could just stay at home all day and have a beautiful dinner tonight, hang out this weekend. And it's, I could easily do that. But, you know, so for me, I don't want to sacrifice as much as say, like, I'm going to go live in a lesser quality place. And not that I drive mm -hmm. a nice vehicle, but my kind of personal goal of sacrificing is to push that upside, like try to build things, increase my rental income, those kinds of things. And that in itself takes a sacrifice. So sacrifice Absolutely. doesn't always mean contracting. Would you say that's accurate? I would say that's accurate. I think that the misconception people have about gaining wealth is they think it's just this big materialistic pursuit. I would say a path towards simplicity, if you ask me. When you're focused on one goal and you have a vision of one goal and you know what you want, all you're talking about is engaging your hours now. We're not digging ditches. We're not going in coal mines. Right. So yeah, you have a career, but you're doing a podcast. You know, I can see that you're doing things that aren't average. I have a fundamental belief that the dangerous, the most dangerous place in America is the median. It's just the dead center because that's where comfort is. That's where you'll end up with a retirement uh, saving somewhere around 172000 I believe it is, is for retirement at the age of 65. So, you know, if, well, one of the big principles of the wealthy gardener is you do something different or you keep what you've got. That's just it. You've got to be different. You've got to get away from the median. If everybody's doing it, get away from that. You know, if you've got to find your own path far away from the median because median is ding. The, the median of America is broke. It's dangerous. It's a scary place. Well, let's talk about how to stay out of that medium and push not only below that median, but above it is where I like to play. So let's kind of talk about, this is a real estate investing podcast, obviously, and we could sit here and talk about your first duplex and your apartments and all that stuff all day long. But I'm more interested in kind of the mindset and philosophy of behind what got you to where you're at, that is financial freedom. Some of the principles you outline in The Wealthy Gardener, which I admit I haven't made it all the way through the book yet because I keep going and rereading parts and I've switched over to Audible and I rewind and listen to a piece and take it with me on my run and listen to another chapter again. So I still haven't even made it all the way through the book, but the little bit I've heard so far, 
I'm just absolutely in love with. So talk about some of those principles you outline in The Wealthy Gardener and why you wrote it. Well, let me first say I'm honored. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. You know, when I wrote this book, it was for my son. And so I had zero platform. I have zero readers. I'm thinking, how am I, you know, I didn't even think we we're going to self-publish this book. And so we did. And we did to this fanfare of crickets, you know, like, but then <laughs> it did then end up selling 50,000 in the first year. So those crickets wow. got louder, you know, so it, it did work and translated in different languages and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it caught up. But if you talk about the principles of the book, what was fundamental to me when I was sitting there writing this book for three years to my son, you know, I do like what you said, the philosophy of success. I really do believe it's the philosophy of financial achievement. Like that's what it is. It's the mindset, the, the psychology. You know, I understand we have the behavior is what ultimately controls everything. But the question is what controls behavior? Now we're getting to it. So for me, I can tell you that the theme of the book and the theme of my life is that if we don't have what we want, we're just not using our full powers in this life. I believe that average people, including myself, we have more than enough potential to get the things in life that we want, including financial freedom. And if you're not, you just got to dig deeper and find out that potential you're not using yet. So the lessons of the book to me are all about power. There's many of them, but if you're asking for some of that, it's the power of purpose, you know, knowing what you want and why you want it. Uh, the power of absolute faith in a goal. Uh, there's just something different about a person who knows, doesn't believe, knows that this is going to happen. You sometimes move into the knowing, like, get out of my way. This is happening to my life. That's where I was after I sat there with my tombstone that this is happening, period. There's the power of your inner voice. You know, so many people just uh, chuck that. Once you get clear on a goal, you have an inner wisdom that helps you, you know, and we all know that, but we don't want to talk about it. You know, when you walk up to somebody and that person doesn't feel right, this opportunity does feel right for you. We have those feelings. If we just close ourselves, quiet ourselves and start to listen, you know, the power of a schedule. I mean, you show me a person's schedule, I'll show you their future, period. It all comes down to how you use your schedule, you know, so it goes on and on. Creative think time, the power of discontentment. That's one that's really critical to me. Earl Nightingale always spoke of a concept called constructive discontentment. What he meant is, don't run from the challenges of life. We call it stress. Let's go home. I got to get away from all the stress. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. You don't want the kind of life where you have to get away from your stress. You want to create the kind of life for which there is no need to escape. That's what you want. And you use that stuff discontentment within you is fuel. That's the good stuff. That'll power you. You know, if not for discontentment, we'd still be using outhouses. That propels you forward. You know, so those are the kind of goals that people just got to tap into the powers available to them should they want to use their full potential to get what they want. Convicted of that. So much great stuff there. Talking about the book and the way you structure, I think is really interesting. It's a parable, right? Of a wealthy gardener. So in one chapter, you'll talk about the story of this wealthy gardener, and then in, and you'll tie it back to your personal life. I really like how you did that. It's probably the second parable book I've read lately. I really like what you've done with it. So you essentially wrote this book to kind of pass on the lessons of your financial success to your son. I'm sure he took so much out of it like I am so far, but tell us a little bit about the premise of how you came up with this wealthy gardener concept and who this guy is. Well, the garden has always been a metaphor throughout life to speak of a person's time on earth. And so I certainly didn't make up the metaphor, but I did use it for a story. You know, 
we all have a garden. You know, we all have a time in this world. You know, how are we going to use that time? And that's the premise of having a garden. Uh, wealthy, that can be mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. I was very, very strict on sticking to a book about money. It was not going to be one of these books where you have a million different topics because you want to sell it to a million different people. I think money is a big enough problem for everybody. Everybody has a financial condition in this world. Not everybody wants to be rich and wealthy, but everybody wants to not have money worries. And so that was about the wealthy gardener. That's what attracted me to that name. So the wealthy gardener there, they get above, they beat their financial condition in the garden they have in the time that they have. So that was the idea of the title, at least. John, sometimes people have a negative stigma about trying to achieve wealth. It's sometimes got like a negative stigma attached to it. You know, money is the root of all evil, that kind of thing, right? But in your book, you talk about, you know, you have to make the money problem go away before you can solve other problems. So elaborate a little bit on that, if you will. Jacob, I was one of them. I can speak to that person that had a problem with money or I would say disempowering beliefs about money. You know, I went to a Catholic grade school and a Catholic high school, and I'm from the middle class. So, yeah, I get out of school and a rich man can't fit through, uh, can't get into heaven any more than a camel can fit through the eye of a needle. Yeah, money won't make you happy, John. Yeah, there's more important things in life than money. Yeah, I was there. When you go through a lot of struggle, I can tell you that you see that you're no longer questioning whether or not it makes you happy. You're questioning how money can empower my life how it can help me to get to the things that I want to get to. Yeah, there are more important things in life than money. And you know what? Getting over the money problems allows us to focus on those kind of things. So what did I do to shift myself? If you're talking to people out there that might have disempowering beliefs, I think when we're young, we absorb subconscious beliefs. We don't choose them, but we just kind of unconsciously get them. I chose to deliberately change my subconscious beliefs. I would think about money and say, well, Money's my way to impact the world. I can have a better impact with money. I wrote that down. I can provide and protect my family in times of storms with more money. I wrote that down. My aging parents are going to need monies. You know, you can go through and choose your beliefs. I can fulfill my potential on this earth better if I'm not chasing a dollar 10 hours a day. That's the purpose of money. Like, so you write down, you find out what motivates you. You write it down. And you start to just repeat it back to yourself over and over. How do you originally get those beliefs? You absorb them from people talking to you. So yeah. now you can control that. Take control of that. The more you say it, the more congruent it begins to feel. You have to empower it with thought and emotion. It's, you know, it's just words if you don't put any kind of emotion into it. So I say that you have to sometimes get out there and choose deliberately your money beliefs. If you find yourself self-sabotaging, not knowing why, like running up against an invisible fence of income or savings or whatever, you can't see this one. It's invisible. Beliefs are in the head and they're invisible, so they're tricky that way. Consider expanding your beliefs to bigger ideas. Was there ever any kind of like aha moment or point in time that you can recall where you kind of had that flip of switch in your mindset? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. In terms of mindset, I definitely have a story there. I would say that when I was 25, I went into practice. I was telling you I was scared. I was fearful. I was $200,000 down. I'm sitting in a, a clinic all by myself. I was quiet. You know, I'd had staff. I had overhead. It was a scary time. I didn't know if I'd survive. And so that mindset, we always talk about mindset. 
I'm not sure we're all talking about the same thing. That was the fear mindset. I was just fearful. And man, I'll tell you what, if you've ever seen an Olympic athlete walk on their event with worry, doubt, fear, well, it just doesn't happen, right? You have to cultivate confidence. You have to cultivate faith. So yeah, there was a time whenever I went to one of my patients that came in here to make a long story short, that first year he was a counselor. He turns out to be what we would call today a life coach. He took me over to his clinic. He asked me if I would be a client of his. I said, sure, why not? I'm desperate enough to try anything. You know, my head's so far underwater, I need a deeper, a longer straw. Sure, I'll do what you suggest for until I run out of money. So he comes over there. I sit down in his place and he starts cultivating just the opposite. So the reason I'm talking about this is that he showed me the value of an absolute belief, absolute knowing mindset. We would go into his office. I would sit down in a chair. He would ask me about the week. What's going on? What are the metrics? What are the success numbers? That kind of stuff. And then he would ask a very important question. He would say, what does success look like for you next week? Man, I'm stumped the first time he asked that. I was so far away from thinking like that. And so I would say to anybody out there right now who's young and thinking, well, I'm struggling. Okay, what does success? Answer that question. What does success look like to you next week? And get that vision in your brain because that's what I had to do. I described it to him. He would leave the room, put these headphones on my head. There would be soft music and his voice would come in here and he would go through a guided visualization and he would describe success next week. It was my job while he's talking to visualize this, to think deep, to believe, to cultivate the kind of emotion an Olympic athlete would cultivate prior to an event, just like that. Long story short, at the end of the day, he would give me a cassette. It was my job to listen to that in the morning and in the night and just get my mindset right. If my mind started to go toward worry, doubt, and fear, like it was becoming a habitual pattern now, it was my job to bring it back to my vision. My vision, that was it. Absolute confidence. So I would do that. Long story short, Jacob, uh, the difference for me between a fear mindset and a success mindset, six months later, I didn't have any place to put patients. It was that busy. And I was used to starvation, so I couldn't say no to anybody. I was staying until two o'clock at night. I'm booked months in advance. I have nowhere to go. And that was the new trouble. And I can tell you that the difference is when you get your mindset, like we were talking about mindset. So me specifically, my mindset is absolute belief, confidence beyond sanity, absurd confidence. That's the mindset. You'll get ideas. You'll get books will come into your life. People will come into your life. I don't know what it is. You'll see opportunities that existed all along, but you never saw them before. There's a power to just focused faith. That's the mindset of wealth to me. Long story short. It's really powerful stuff. Talking about cultivating confidence. It probably takes a little bit of time for the average person starting out from going from that super fear mindset to that of confidence. But do you think it's a learned skill that anybody out there can acquire over time? It is. If you can cling, you have to cling to that vision with a persistence that's rare. That's what I say, because the challenge, you know why people will fall away from their goals is because you know, you have this vision of such a spectacular outcome, but day after day, you're surrounded by a vision that's nothing close to what you're dreaming of. And so there's this disparity between what you're hoping for and wanting and what's in your life. And eventually it takes a rare person not to crumble in the face of that. That's the skill to maintain, to be down 28 points in the fourth quarter and say, I'm winning this game. That's what life feels like when you're trying to get to where you want to go. And when you're starting out, I'm speaking from experience. I'm not moralizing to anybody. Sure. There's so many times when you just get beat up and you feel like, uh, who do you think you are? 
That's a good question. Whenever you hear yourself saying, who do you think you are? You're usually in a good place because you're stretching yourself big now. Yeah, I love that. Setting big goals. I like what you're kind of doing there with your, at the time, life coach was kind of affirming your beliefs and your actions and in your future daily, right? Every day, just listening to that tape, kind of, you know, embracing that in your mind, you know, thinking, hey, I'm going to be here next week and then the following week and the following week. But I'm sure that took a little bit of like mental exercise to go from that fear mindset to that confidence mindset. It didn't just like happen overnight. It's a struggle of mindfulness, Jacob. You know, we talk about mindfulness, you know, throughout the day, what are you mindful of? You know, you become what you think about in this life. Okay. That is the game. Being mindful, not allowing. You can choose your thoughts, but man, that is, that is, it's one of the very few things we can actually control in this world is our thoughts. But that is a goal. That is a hard one for people to get their heads around because a lot of times we're so stuck in habitual patterns. So you got to break habitual patterns of negative thinking or whatever your culture has been. You know, some of us, I think, come from a culture where it's an advantage because, you know, our parents were successful. We had successful thoughts. We had mentors. Well, we are subconsciously successful. They don't need to do all this. But for me, I had to come from the middle class. I'm like the everyday guy that had to break free of a culture. A background. And so I had to choose or I would just follow familial patterns then, you know, so that was my choice. And yes, it did take long. No doubt about it. Yeah, man, such good stuff here. So, you know, it all starts with this mindset, being mindful, building a vision of what you want your life to look like. And then it actually, you really have to find a point where the rubber meets the road, right? Like you can talk about all this mindset stuff all day, but you actually have to go out and apply it and do something. So for you, that path was building your chiropractic business and investing in real estate on the side, but it wasn't some flashy, like, you know, get rich quick tomorrow scheme. None of this Instagram stuff you see today. It was just concerted day after day, week after week, month after month, building wealth through real estate. So tell us what that path looked like for you real quick without getting in the weeds of, you know, your duplexes and apartments and all that stuff. Oh, no question. You know, I say the same thing. My mantra throughout my 30s, was consistent hits, wins games, base hits. I was never, ever swinging for the fence. If anybody's ever read the book, The Millionaire Next Door, yeah, the lifestyle of that, that was me. Nobody could see it. I used to actually look forward to meeting my accountant every year. This was the only person who knew what was going on. I always, <laughs> say, I always say that if you're doing it right, nobody can tell. Like your neighbors, they see you pulling in at night and they see you leave in the morning. You know, I would have patients that would, they would see sometimes a pickup truck with a whole bunch of crap in it. I was ready to take it to the dump because that's, <laughs> uh, that would seem to be my job. I would just take the crap to the dump and back and forth from the projects. So yeah, it was a steady forward motion and it was unglamorous until you understand that whenever you have a vision, you are energized by it. And you know, there's a satisfaction to direction in life and you don't get direction without vision. And then you start living, you know, at the edge of your capacity and there's a richness and a fullness to life that's not there if you're not striving. And so there is a lot more satisfaction that meets the eye, you know, during those climbs of life because you know you're fulfilling your potential now more and you're getting ahead in your time. You know, it moved me into my forties where I always say the 40s were my decade of power. And what a relief that is, you know, for the guy that can't buy a pizza now. All of a sudden, when I say power, I mean the power of money. You get a little bit of money behind you. And so now I always say I identify with the Aladdin movie. You know, 
when Robin Williams jumps out of the genie bottle and just goes ballistic and starts screaming, you ain't never had a friend like me. Wah, wah, wah. That's <laughs> that was money. I, you ain't never had a friend like me. Me and money, because of that, now I'm in charge of 15 people. I'm looking at an apartment complex and I can say yes or no. And as long as I respected that friend and I didn't get out of sync with that and lose the principles that led me to earn that money, oh, what a friend. That It gives you a power you'll never have without money. And it's all positive. It's all good. It's not greed. It's freedom. It's ability to pursue the bigger things of life. Life gets really good and that snowball starts rolling bigger. Yeah. Well, tell us what your life is like today, John. You know, what are you focused on? What are you doing now that you've, you know, had this pinnacle of financial freedom that you've eventually and now achieved? What's next for you? What are you doing? Let me be real with you. Okay. Because I really am a big believer in knowing your why. You know, what is your why? What's your, why do you want what you want? So let's say that we have a listener out there that's saying, like I did, I want financial freedom. Okay. Why do you want that? Because mm-hmm. I want to sit on a beach for a while. Okay, what do you do then? What after that? And break it down to your why. Okay, so I can guarantee you that once you retire, there's no more common situation out there than a person who starts to struggle and feel, what next? Now what? You know, if you have any kind of a depth to you, you're going to try to find a purpose. People with purpose are more happy in life, people with direction. So when I crossed that finish line, I did know what I wanted. I wanted that book. You know, I felt like that was inside me. And I felt like I had to get it to my son as he was getting out of college. I wanted him to enter life in his 20s without such a hard splash of disorganization and chaos as me. It's my belief that, you know, timeless principles don't change. And I wanted him to understand the fundamental philosophy, financial achievement. So that's having passed that test. Then what we went on to the next purpose, we, we decided, and it was a hard decision for me to self-publish the book. He forced me to be so candid in that book. As you know, there's a lot of private thoughts in there. And I thought that was important to teach the mindset of success, like what goes through the mind of a person who struggles and wins, right? What's in the mind of a warrior who fights the fight and actually wins? Like I thought it was valuable to show that and just to be able to swallow my ego and do that. So now what's the next step? I see that every family in the world has a financial condition. There's just no getting around that. And life is better if you're on top of that financial condition. So where my eyesight starts going, like you said, your vision, all that kind of stuff, I start wondering if it's not my goal now to get the wealthy gardener in every household of America. It could serve as a financial achievement reference book for people. Why not? And you know, if you'll sit there, notice this. It sounds ludicrous, right? Here I'm saying this. It's not half as ludicrous as me being broke at 30, saying I want a passive income of $20,000 a month at the age of 50 because I was demoralized. I was confused. I didn't know what I wanted. I'm sitting beside my grandfather who gave his life as a wage slave, what I call. That was impossible. And one of the things of the wealthy gardener is he grows it slowly. You know, he grows his garden slowly, slowly, and he works himself into it. So yeah, it's a big goal, like you said. It's like the snowball of success. You started small, you get one little win, you get another little win, you start building up. Along with that comes confidence, right? And then success breeds success and here you are. And now all of a sudden you've got this huge wave of momentum where you've achieved some of your wildest dreams. 
you're 30 years down the line, you've looked back, you've like achieved all this stuff and you're looking at like what's next. And now you can take this wild momentum and, you know, take even a wilder goal forward. So I love that. Yeah. You know, Albert Schweitzer, he once said that, you know, to live for others is a harder life, but it's a richer and fuller life. And I think that's what people want. You know, I'm not looking to, you know, I'll get myself in trouble here. I'm not looking to go to some retirement community and drive golf carts around and play tennis. Hopefully you have a young crowd and they're not going to get mad at me by saying that, but I'm pretty sure that the only people listening to you are going to be have ambition. Now, what about those people? That's who I was. I was a person with ambition and that ambition was going to kill me or it was going to deliver me. And that's what you've got to do. You've got to harness that. And so, yeah, that's harnessed by having focus, by living by principles, by you can get rich a lot of different ways. But you, the, the things that stand still, they never change are the timeless principles of success. Yeah, so much to take in there, John. Well, it's been a really interesting and fun conversation. I could talk to you so much more about the principles in the book, but I think the best thing we can do is point our audience members to go pick that book up. We've obviously talked a little bit about it, but it's called The Wealthy Gardener by John Sephoric. You can find that anywhere you can find books. Highly recommend you doing that. John, if the listeners go pick that up, what are just some high-level things they can take away from there from start to finish? You know, Jacob, what my goal was with it was to put a bunch of timeless principles, the best of the best, the ones that mattered most in my own life, the relevant principles that actually matter to a person who's done it. I wanted those all in one book. And then I wanted to have a story where a person, just like I, read Napoleon Hill's book, Thinking Grow Rich, and I ended on the last page different than I started the book. I wanted a story that would reach people so that they could actually experience the principles of this book. And when they're done, they say, you know, I didn't just, I wasn't just preached at, but I kind of had a feeling of experiencing all of this through that story. That was my goal. So my goal was to change the mindset of people and have them experience financial success in a way that I have and see the good consequences and the bad consequences of our actions. Because there are both. It's not, you know, there are bad consequences in the book for some people, and there's good consequences for others, just like life. I love it. Well, let's end there with our lightning round, John. It's a series of questions we'd like to fire at you. Are you up for it? <laughs> I'm a slow responder. So if we can just make this like a slow river of questions, that's we'll, we'll do that. These lightning questions. We'll take that approach. It's the... Uh, <laughs> Not get rich quick, the get rich slow question round, right? <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right. First question is, what was your biggest hurdle getting started, specifically investing in real estate? And then what'd you do to overcome that? Getting money. No question about it. I think the, the challenge of most people, just like so many kids in the world come to me, they say, how do I get into real estate? I say, I say man, fantastic. Let's talk about it. Because uh, you have ambition. How much do you have to work with? They say, well, nothing. And I say, well... Okay, you know, there's there's a saying in this world that luck is when preparation meets opportunity. And if that's true, then preparation is a pile of cash. When opportunity knocks, let's talk about the cash. And so that was the hardest thing was just earning the, the seed money. The rest was just an education, another learning curve like we go through in life. Yeah, absolutely agree. Well, John, do you have a personal habit that contributes to your success? Jacob, I would say this. What separates me from my friends, if I look back, it's certainly not intelligence. It's certainly not skill level. It's not at the age of 30 through 50, I thought about wealth every day. And so, yeah, I'm one of those guys that actually write out goals and just to keep them in front of me. 
Now, my friends, they're good people and they probably have more potential in life than I do, but they were golfing and they were doing other things. They had good lives. And I'm not saying it's good or bad one way or the other, but what's the biggest difference is I just focused on wealth and that filled my life up with the things that actually led to it. It led to a learning curve for me that they just didn't care to pursue because it wasn't important to them. And when we get here, that's the pivotal difference. Focus. Yeah. I love that. John, do you have an online resource that you find valuable in your day-to-day? An online resource. You know, the challenge with being engaged in life is that you're always busy. So what do I go to? I like Darren Hardy. You know, he's a real stud. He has a Darren Daily message every morning, and I value that. I think that he does a really good job of that. He's the uh, owner of Success Magazine. He's another doer. He's got great books as well. So I find a lot of respect for Darren Hardy. Great. Yeah. I can't say I'm familiar with his work or him, so I'll have to check him out myself. World class. Great. Next question in the lightning round. What book would you recommend to the listeners and why? Excluding, obviously, the great with the wealthy gardener. (laughs) What? What do you mean? I can't say that book? This isn't fair. That's Uh, an obvious one on the list. (laughs) I gave three years of my life to this. (laughs) Um, You know, I would say that Thinking Grow Rich was pivotal in my own evolution. Like I said, at the age of 20, I'm not sure where I would be in my life without it. That said, I really value, um, like Earl Nightingale was probably a mentor through me, for me throughout life in terms of following Earl Nightingale. I just think that that man is a genius and he has an audio called The Greatest Secret, which if I've listened to it once, I've listened to it a hundred thousand times during my darkest moments where you're just looking for somebody to hold you together, you know, to keep your vision straight. Earl Nightingale's it sounds crazy to listen to something over and over and over again. That's how you change your mindset. That's how you cultivate who you are. So that's big for me. Awesome. So that's Earl Nightingale, The Greatest Secret. Obviously, adding to that list, The Wealthy Gardener by John Seforic. We'll add both of those books in the show notes for audience and members to pick up. John, last question in the lightning round. If you're to go back and give advice to your 20-year-old self to get started investing in real estate, What would you tell 20-year-old John? Honestly, I didn't do a lot of things wrong, Matt, because I didn't approach real estate until my 30s, and I had to learn a lot by then. And because I got myself in so much trouble with student debts, there wasn't a lot of room out. That's why I became, what I say, wage slavery when you have no hope. And so I'm not sure what my alternatives were, despite what I did. You know, I was kind of, I was in a trap. There's no doubt about that. What would I tell I would say I would say that I would I would probably advise myself to not worry so much along the way. I always, you know, I had a family to feed. It was just always a struggle, and there was a lot of times when you want to be here, but you're sitting in this financial instability. I could identify with anybody out there who's talking that way. You know, I felt like I had a financial instability before I started winning the game, and because of that, you know, it, I worried too much. I probably regret that during the process. You know, just it doesn't add a day of speed to your progress. It just ruins your joy during some of the days. You know, so just be confident. Do what you can do. Fill up your days. One of my favorite sayings is it's not the harvest you reap each day. It's the seeds that you plant. Just sit, just plant the seeds. That's all you can do anyway. I love it. 
Well, John, hey, it's been really fun talking with you about some of these principles. I've had a great time. I'm sure the audience members have gotten so much out of this podcast. If they want to learn more about you, connect with you, find the book, where's the best place for them to do that? What I think is if I send the readers or the listeners to wealthygardener.com, it's a place where you can check out everything, all the life lessons for free. You won't find anything for sale there. It's just a it's an altruistic website where you can have samples of the book, samples of the audio. You can check things out. Try it before you buy it. That's what I say. There's no pressure here. Yeah, I actually really like that site. I was on there this morning surfing around. You've got all kinds of like, you know, the principles from the book, little excerpts, all kinds of different cool stuff. I couldn't even find anything to buy there. So yeah, you're right. Definitely recommend going over there and checking that out. John, as we're wrapping up here, is there any parting piece of advice you'd like to leave with the audience members? Maybe something I should have asked you that I didn't, anything like that? I would just say that it's just really important if you're going to set on, on the same quest, you know, for financial freedom to do a couple of things right. You know, don't neglect what we've just talked about. You know, it sounds like you're talking about goals and you were talking about mindset and having faith in your goals and you've heard it a million times and therefore it's so easy to discard it and turn this off. You know, you do it each day. Just try it. It's the easiest thing in the world to do and it's the easiest thing in the world to not do. And so that's why we don't do it. And then I would say this too, that you have to speak with your family if you're going to sacrifice. So many people do that wrong. You have to open up, tell your kids what you're going through if you're a parent. You know, if it's their education, prepare them. They're not going to be prepared through school for what's coming, but they will be prepared from your life if you include them. My kids always understood me to a penny. And therefore, when they go into adulthood, well, guess what? They already did live it. They lived it through me and they can live it through you. So just be open with your kids. That's my advice. Teach the next generation that way. I love it. Entrepreneur, real estate investor, author of The Wealthy Gardener, John Sfork. Hey, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Jacob, thank you. And keep doing what you're doing. You're pretty impressive. So I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much, John. Take care. All right, that wraps up this week's episode with our guest, John Sfork. Hey, I hope you got so much value from that conversation with John today. I highly suggest you go download or purchase the Wealthy Gardener book. Give it a listen. Give it a read. I think you'll find it very valuable. Well, for more information, resources, and to connect with me, you can do so at www.jacobairs.com. Till next week, engineer the lifestyle you want. You've been listening to the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom podcast, providing you actionable content to build your real estate empire. Nothing on this show should be considered specific, personal, or professional advice. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, real estate, financial, or business professional for personal advice. The opinions of guests are their own. Information is not guaranteed. All investment strategies have a potential for profit or loss. The host is operating on behalf of the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom, LLC, exclusively.